one of the things I love doing is when the kids come over to Sal and I's or uh, the grandkids, we meet them with joy. I mean, it's just kind of, ah, when the front door opens and these little feet come running in the house. It's kind of like, yeah, and they jump into our arms and we'll hug or dance them around the house. And one time for a, just a joke, I, I just, you know, one of my granddaughters came in and I just kind of ignored her. So I kept my head down at the counter and she comes running into the house and I wasn't at the door. She came running into the kitchen and I'm still... And she, she stands here with this wee little thing, and she says in this voice, Pops, I'm here. <laughs> I couldn't do it another second. I jumped up. Ah, you're here. Grabbed her in my arms, danced her around the room. You see, celebrating someone, learning to live in joy, it's crucial. I want to talk to you about this today because... The very foundation of great countries, great cities, is great families. And it's been such a crisis in relationships in the last two years that has really shown us what many relationships are like. And people forget that joy, this celebrating one another, is loving them. And if you don't learn to be joyful and celebrate the people in your life, then they feel like you tolerate them. One of the biggest problems with marriage today is we quickly tolerate each other rather than celebrate each other. And love is in the celebration. Joy is something that is absolutely crucial. Joy is when you are with someone, if you are joyful, you are saying to them, I treasure you, I enjoy being with you, I celebrate you. And it's got to start in our homes, our marriages, it's got to start in our families. The Bible says one generation must teach the next generation on, about God, his miraculous power. And so it's not just how to be saved, it's how to laugh, how to love, how to have joy, how to be strong, how to walk in peace, how to rise up and do incredible things for the kingdom of God, each generation. But it starts at some of the most, and so today, I want to teach you how to practice joy. Oh, cute message, Leon. No vital message, or you will lose every relationship you've got, or it'll just sink its way into mediocrity. It'll slam its way into just some kind of, yeah, well, I guess it's better than nothing. How do you make people feel when they're around you? I don't care how right you are. I don't care what you say. How do you make people feel? That's what they're going to remember. Not your words. And so we must become very aware of the people around us. We become, must become very aware of how self-centered we are. Because self-centeredness is the absolute enemy of joy. Being self-centered and selfish is actually opening the door to the kingdom of darkness. 
There is no way for him to be able to influence our lives until he can first get you to be self-focused, self-centered, and selfish. It's the opening to witchcraft. Every evil thing starts with selfishness. Love is celebrating the people around you. Everybody transfers something towards you. As I go into some of the, the, this ability to develop joy, you need to remember that you cannot make someone else joyful. Some people think it is their mission in life to make someone happy. I think we should love and we should care and we should help others, but if they choose that I'm going to live looking like I suck on pickles, if they choose to live that life's awful and then you die, you can't change it. God can't change them. (gasps) What do you mean God can't change them? God will never manipulate you, force you, or make you do anything. You get to live the life you desire. That's why freedom comes from God. He'll never force you, never make you. Now, he's wooing you and loving you, and his presence is always moving towards you, drawing you, but he doesn't make you. And for me, when I was a younger pastor, it was a great thing one day when I realized Jesus couldn't make everybody happy. He couldn't get everybody to be happy. And so when we begin to look at this thing called joy, you need to know that one of the things you need to be very aware of are the people around you. And they are transferring something into you. Everyone transfers the attitude that they are of. Everyone transfers this, their thinking, their beliefs. It just transfers. And so if you don't have the shield of faith up and and stop, you will not only have to deal with your own stuff, you've got to drag all these relationships with you, or you've got to work at keeping yourself up and flowing, and then you've got to figure out a way. So trying to make people change isn't going to work. If I stood on the, the, the lip of this uh, platform, and I'm trying to pull somebody up onto the platform, and they're trying to pull me down onto the floor, who's got the advantage? And so I love helping people. I love encouraging people. I love sharing truth with people. But the Apostle Paul set me free as a teacher when he said, I am free from the blood of all men because I taught you what I know. Period. And so this ability first starts, it starts with you as an individual. Now you need to understand that everyone thinks mental health is something that just happens, bam, and it can. You can have a massive decline in mental and emotional health with one incident. That's why we talk about PTSD and, you know, and someone gets abused or something horrible. An incident happens in your life that just turns and almost it breaks your heart and Jesus has to heal your broken heart. But there is a slow erosion of mental health that will push at you like the two, last two years as um, 
I don't know if I can even call them leaders. As people get up who are supposed to be leaders and think that fear is the way to help people be wise and make wise choices. And fear has torment. And fear destroys mental health. For the weak, it happens quickly. For those who are strong, it is still eroding the emotional health, the belief systems that are in people. And so we need to know, how do we stand strong? How do we rise up with a force and with a power that God brings into our lives. The Bible says the force is joy. And so I want to show you what that is. I want to talk about how we can deal with it. Nehemiah 8.10. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, it doesn't say the joy of winning, the joy of everything is going good. It's not the joy of everybody likes you. It's not the joy of everything's fantastic. No, it has nothing to do with it is around you. It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. And you can't access it until you give your life to Jesus Christ and say, I accept this beautiful free gift. He comes in. You get forgiven. You become a brand new creation. The presence of God is alive on the inside of you. And then it says now, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What does that word strength mean? Well, to most Christians, it would be, well, you know, he's my defender. He's my shield. He's my high tower. He's my fortress. He's my castle. He's there for me when I go down. And everything's about being on the defense. Now, I like defense when you need to do defense. And I thank God for all those promises. But this word strength does not just mean he's there in times of trouble to defend you. The word strength literally means the force of your life. What are you building? Where are you going? What, as a wise master builder, building relationships, building career, city, generations of your family name, building a country, building a province, building the things around you, there is this force, this strength is in you and I to get up and do something with our lives, not just tiptoe through the tulips and wander through life with these big old eyes going, I just hope nothing goes wrong. And we don't take risks and we don't stand up and we don't choose to build. I, love, I forget how the saying goes, but there's a saying that goes, you know, we, we, we avoid all risk and we don't want to do anything that sticks our head up. And so we live our lives as vanilla as we can and arrive safely at our death. I'm not living that way. I refuse. There's something with me just refuses. You get one life and then you'll spend eternity with God. Thank God for that. But to just give in and allow people who have a louder mouth than you to tell you what to say, what to blog, what to stand up for. Don't have an opinion. Why? Because we're going to come against you. Are you kidding me? You've got a life. Get up and live your life. The freedom that we have says you get to speak up and have an opinion. This strength that, the, that, that, that he is my strength. He is the force of your life. He is also the energy of your life. When people slowly begin to degrade through fear and, and things pound away at you, you'll find that as your energy just goes down, you don't have the energy to stand up, even rise up. And this word also means 
energy. For the joy of the Lord is my strength and my fortress. The joy of the Lord is the force of my life to get up and to believe and to move, to design, to build. The joy of the Lord is the energy of my life that says get up and get energized. Ever been around somebody who's energized? Oh, they're enjoyable to be around. They're energized having coffee with you. They're energized having a conversation with you. Just sitting in their room, even if you want some quiet time, they're just energized. And it just transfers to you this joy of life, this joy for the future, this joy that we're going to keep going. We're going to live it up. Joy is something the Bible says so much about. And everybody tends to think that I'm just joyful when things are going good. We're not talking about a human strength. We're talking about a supernatural force. Every one of us has natural joy. And it comes from our five senses. When we can see things that bring hope. When things seem to be working out. Oh, and that's fine. The Bible says, asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. You can have a fullness of joy, and that's wonderful. But there's a joy that is this force, this power, this energy. And it doesn't just come to you naturally. By that I mean the tap in heaven that pipelines the joy of God into your spirit is full open. You've got the tap to control it down here. And if you don't learn to practice joy, if you don't learn to release joy, if you don't learn to rise up and live a certain way, you will allow your emotions to dictate your life. Now, I don't care how many degrees you've got in psychology, whether you are a counselor, you find out real quick you never trust your emotions. If I trusted my emotions this morning, I'd have rolled over and let the pulpit be empty. I don't feel like coming in every time. I don't, I don't feel married every day. I don't feel excited about life every day. I don't want to be a father necessarily today. I don't you know, feelings really, they're as fickle as they come. And your feelings are not you. If you think your feelings are you, which is kind of the new trend in pop psychology, you know, your feelings will know. Your feelings don't know. Your feelings, your emotions come from what you focus on. And when you focus on wrong things or you don't control the focus of your attention, then you can live in the most awful life. And you need to know that mental health can slowly erode. You were designed, though, to live in joy. The Lord, in Psalms 27, 1, it says, The Lord is the strength of my life. He's the force of your life. He's the energy of your life. Yes, both on the defense when things push against you, but to get up and live. Take the gifts that are inside of you and the desires from your heart and get up and go build a life. Because who else is going to build it for you? Do you really think that, that the world or that life owes you a living? That's pretty naive. You'll find, no, it doesn't. And if you don't build on purpose, if you don't get up and say, okay, then you're going to find that you'll just drift through life. Any dead fish can drift downstream. But to swim up against the current, swim against the current of negativity, swim against the current of depression, swim against the current of nothing good's going to happen. Swim in, no, we have a choice. And this joy is at the very foundation of you and I getting up and having a great life. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36 says, don't cast away your confidence nobody can take your confidence from you you have to throw it away 
Well, people wouldn't do that. They do it all the time. Well, that's it. It's all over for Canada. Well, we're done now. Or you look at your relationship. It's finished. My daddy, your daddy's not an expert. What does the word say about these situations? And people get to a certain point and they just throw away their confidence. Just throw it out. Yep, life sucks and then you die now. No, it doesn't. And you throwing away your confidence allows everything negative to swarm into your mind, into your emotions. And then you begin to produce that because these things are seeds that take root in your heart. And you begin to grow the very thing you don't want. And it begins to transfer from you to others. And people don't even enjoy being around you. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 28, it says, The hope of the righteous will be gladness. Listen, my hope's in the government. My hope is in the economy. My hope is in my family. My hope is, listen, cool. But the hope that is never touched, the hope that'll keep you strong, what you focus on towards your future, anything on the planet can eventually fail you. Thank God for healthy government, healthy churches, healthy relationships, marriages, homes, families, finance. Yes, but it says here that the hope of the righteous will be gladness. This righteous is our hope is in him. In Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Did you know that when you give your life to Christ, And he comes within you that it is his joy that resides on the inside. You know, as a young man, my dad and mom were pastors, and so I was raised in the church. And, you know, we back then, I I, maybe I developed it on my own, but I had this thinking that when you see someone just seriously walking around, that must be what the Spirit of God is like. Really? Where does it say in the Bible? Enter his gates with slow walking. And into his courts with your head hung down. Be low, mighty low. No! Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Be thankful. Rejoice. This is the sign of the presence of God. Show me a happy family and I'll show you the presence of God in that home. Joy is something that we must practice, that we must work at. And so it's interesting in Psalms 511 it says, Rejoice, shout for joy. Be joyful in your God. And there's no brackets that says when things are going good. Joy is absolutely crucial. The Bible says the one generation shall teach the next generation about the things of God. He's not just talking about obey God, go to church. Great, that's it. What about his joy, his peace? What about his blessing, his favor? What about the things that God does as he goes and helps build your life and help you know who you are and get your identity secure in God's word? There's so much amazing teaching in the word of God. And so we must. See, as parents... You can tell your kids all you want. They're going to be who you is. They're going to act out what you are, not what you say. 
And so we must learn to practice this incredible force called joy. We must not give in to the five senses which bombard our mind, our emotions, and our will with a constant negative look at life. Of course they are. You ever notice that problems is what grabs your eye first? You're standing on a street. There's 100 wonderfully parked cars. And then this one guy hits somebody else and he's got two wheels on the sidewalk. What are you drawn to? A hundred successfully parked cars or the one problem car? Everybody's staring at the one problem car. Everything in life is about looking for the negative, looking for the negative, looking for the negative. And if you stay focused on the negative, then all your emotional makeup comes from everything. I, I know all the problems that I have. I probably have more than you to deal with. All the organizations and the things we've got to do and in the midst of all that's been going on. And yeah, we all do. So look at it, deal with it, put some plans together, but don't marinate in it. Get up and make a decision that I've got so much to praise him for, to thank him for, that on the inside of me, I get up and say, well, some people often say, well, Ian, what do you think this year will be like? Well, you'll have to explain what you mean by that. Do you mean governmentally? Do you mean in your life? Do you mean financially? Do you mean economy? Or do you mean me? Well, okay, you. It's going to be a great year. Really? Oh, it's going to be awesome. Finances, it's going to be good. Relationships, going to win. Why? Because... In our world, we don't wait to see what happens to us. We build our lives. We build our relationships. We work on finances. We work on family and home and cities. And If we're not working on something, it's not growing on its own. So life isn't what happens to you. It's what you choose to build. And it's what you choose to focus on. And so my challenge to you is you must learn to be joyful. You must learn to shout for joy. You must make a decision. How do I greet people? How do I meet people? Well, Leon, that's not very authentic. I'm going to find a church where people are authentic, someone told me. Oh, really? What's authentic to you? Well, everyone's not happy. I said, yeah, we actually all know that. All of us have someone close to death. Life does that. All of us have struggles and heartaches. So we just all walk around unburdening on each other? Well, we should be authentic. So, so authentically you is all your emotional stuff. That's, authentic. That's who you are, your emotions. Well, I'm, and they get all tangled up because your identity is not your emotions. And emotions are rarely accurate rarely accurate. So I love emotions, positive emotions, good emotions, and I've got to always deal. But the thing is that if you think that to be authentic is that you get to infringe on our lives with your negative emotions when we're dealing with our own, how many friends you got? Everybody needs friends because you do need someone to share with. A burden shared is a burden halved. And you need a great circle of relationships to have someone to talk to. But if you walk around, every time you meet somebody, your face is going to show your emotional makeup and your words are going to tell all of your problems, you won't have a lot of friends except for people who are just like you. I know I'm offending somebody, but I'm helping you. 
Your spouse has been wanting me to tell you this for a long time. They've been texting me saying, Leon, would you preach on this? (laughs) Joy is something. This is the day the Lord hath made, the Bible says. I will rejoice. Now, the word rejoice means to speak with joy, act with joy, think with joy, to make joy your pursuit. The Bible does not say, this is the day the Lord hath made. Oh, and all the storms and the problems, I made that too, sucker. No, it doesn't say that. This is the day the Lord hath made. Now, what are you going to do with this 24 hours? It says rejoice. Choose joy. Choose joy. Choose joy. Choose joy. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, then be alone for a while. Choose joy. Talk with joy. If you can begin to recognize this one foundational truth that however you were raised has formed your deepest identity beliefs. But as an adult now, you've got a choice. Do I live out the teaching I received? Maybe it was really good from your parents and your culture and your town and your school and your upbringing. But maybe you don't like any of it. then it's time to say, well, what kind of life do I want? My parents picked their lives and the grandparents picked their lives and people pick how they want to laugh and how they want to live and how they want to have a marriage and how they want to do life. The joy of the Lord is our strength is one of the most crucial teachings in the Word of God. That in the midst of whatever storm is going on, that you can say, okay, my five senses are saying, ah! But my faith is saying, when the smoke is clear, I'll be standing. My faith is saying, I'll still be here. You see, the five senses, they gather information from the physical world, which is time sensitive. In the spirit world, and you are a spirit, and every scientist out there agrees there are different dimensions, seven or 11, depending on who you listen to. There's no time in the spirit realm. Angels don't age. God has not aged. In the spirit realm where there is no time, Jesus died for you and I, and he made a way, and he gave us his promises, and he gave us everything that we would need for life. So as the world goes by with its time, and you look at how things aren't working out, and do I have, you can get so consumed, but as you dive into God's word, and you begin to feed your belief systems, your identity, what your future can possibly be, as you begin to see how much God believes in you, cares about you, backs you, is behind you you begin to say well I can say what the news guy says and I can say what the doctor says and I can say what my friends say or I can begin to say what God's word says and then you begin to take control and instead of just letting whatever you see just marinate you you begin to say I'm going to begin to live the way I want to live and the Bible says delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart well, religion, I don't like, I hate religion because religion is man-made rules we all try to judge one another with. But a relationship with God? Oh, he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Where does this giving come from? From the presence of the Lord, from the spirit realm, from the place where everything is made from. And so we've got to make a choice. A key is that the joy of the Lord is your strength.
Okay, not your willpower is your strength. No, we want good willpower. But this supernatural joy, it's not a natural joy. This supernatural joy is a strength that will make you rise up when you can't get joy from anything around you, when you can't get joy from your career, when you can't get joy from your marriage, when you can't get joy from your family, when you can't get joy from your friends, with the news, when you can't find a place to give you joy. The Bible says it's the joy of the Lord. And then you must begin to focus on his word and what's deep on the inside of you. Now what's interesting is you'll begin to transfer that into the relationships around you. This hope, this joy. Now, people who call themselves realists will say, well, you got to be real. Nothing big in life ever happened from people who are quote-unquote realists. They'll just tell you there's no hope, there's no chance, there's no way, not possible. And while they're saying that, someone's always doing it. You're amazing. God created you. He created you to get up and win. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes everything in this world, even our faith, which is a spiritual component of our lives. It is this faith that begins, this, this force that we cannot see. You might not be able to hear it, but as you begin to take God's word and believe what he says about you, you stop believing what everybody else says about you. They think you can't do it. They think you won't make it. They don't think you're as big or as great as God made you to be, and they judge who you are, what you can do, and what they think. Who they? You're made in the likeness and the image of God. He's proud of you. He cares about you. He wants you to get up and live this one life that you get. So great that people look at you and go, where do you find the courage, the joy? Where do you find the ability to, to forgive and to keep? Where do you? You say, you know what? It's not me. It's God on the inside of me. I got my eyes off myself and I got my eyes off my failures. I got my eyes off my sins and I got my eyes off all the things that I've done. And I got my eyes off what, what, what my identity is because your identity is not what you've done in the past. What is your identity? Got to figure that one out. And as we do, the Bible says in Psalms 144, verse 15, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. God, Lord, what's he saying here? Everybody says, oh, I believe in God. Good for you. But if you made him your Lord, if you made him the, the, the God of your life, just acknowledging there's a God is like acknowledging there's gravity while you play soccer on the top of a 10-story building. It's not enough just to acknowledge this gravity. You better learn to respect it, to be in awe of it. And so my challenge to you is, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. You know, if churches would just take this one verse, they'd start to grow and attract people. Because most people think, if you ask, say, hey, you want to go to church? People go, oh, I'd rather go to the dentist. Sorry, dentist. Sir. Why? Because they think church is where you're going to get nailed with rules. You're going to get nailed with judgment. You're going to be given a whole bunch of more things you're not doing right. And none of that is the new covenant in Christ. Jesus accepts you the way you are, as messed up or as perfect, whatever you think you are. And when you ask him and believe on him, he comes into your heart. That's how much he loves you. Someone said, well, I gotta, I'll come to your church. I love your church, Leon, but I've got to tell you, I've got to clean up my life first before I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going, why would you do that? Well, don't you think I do? No. 
do you take a shower so that you can have a bath? Well, no, exactly. We come to church to learn about God. And he says, come as you are and just receive me. And the strength and the joy, the peace, the righteousness that you will feel as you accept me will give you the ability to change all the things you desire in your life. And together, you and God will walk this journey out. But if you think, well, i got to clean up my life and make things work before I come to God, then see, that's pride. With your strength, your knowledge, your wisdom, you are going to clean up your life so you can present yourself to God. Hey, here I am, cleaned up, looking pretty good, got it together. Yeah, you want me? Well, of course he would, but that's not what he's asking for. He's asking for you to come as you are. And when you do, something changes deep inside. And when it changes deep inside, this righteousness, which simply means you are in right standing with God. You don't have to clean up your life to perfection before God loves you. And usually, if you really could draw a picture of God that they hold in most people's hearts, it would be this God with crossing his arms and... We feel this displeasure. Did you know that he doesn't have that displeasure? Because the Bible says that 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of our sins upon himself. And he exchanged our failing lives for his beautiful, perfect life. And so when God looks at you, he's pleased. And that pleasure makes you want to change far greater than you could do with willpower. If I was to say to somebody, you know, if you're here and you really love your spouse, you know, you need a law that says you won't keep punching them in the head. How come you don't do that now? Well, I love them too much to do that. Love gives us the greatest amount of control and discipline you could ever have. It's not the rules that make it. It's the love. My last verse, and we're going to close, in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 8, it's, it's, there's an old song that we used to sing. There's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It was a beautiful hymn we used to sing years ago. And when you t take a look at that in the Amplified Bible, which is just a dive into what it means in the Greek, it's talking about a joy so powerful, you don't know how to explain it. It's unspeakable. And it is full of glory. In other words, it's not man's glory. It's not man's ability. It's the glory of God coming out of your reborn heart since you've given your life to Christ. And here's what it says, and I love this. It says, without having seen him, you love him. Though you do not even now see him, you believe in him, God, and you exult and thrill with inexpressible and glorious, triumphant, heavenly joy. All right, think about this. In heaven, there's such joy. In heaven, there's a stunning amount of joy. And this joy that we are talking about that is in your heart is the joy that is heaven, in heaven, that you get ahead of time, and it's in your heart. That's why the prayer says, 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you ever want to know God's will and get around all the religiosity of people who think they know, his will for you on this planet is whatever you'll be getting in heaven. His will is health, joy, peace, plus prosperity, blessing. It's just that on the planet you have an enemy. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. You're a citizen of that kingdom, even though you're not there yet. We're here. But I love this because it says this joy is heavenly. And so it's, it's the joy of heaven in here. And you've got the tap. You decide how much of this joy begins to flow into your life by practicing it, believing it, by being obedient to his word, by just declaring. And then the other word that it uses is triumphant. Because some people kind of go like this, yes, I, I get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be happy. Life sucks and it's bad. <laughs> there, are you happy now? No, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about you faking it. I'm talking about you choosing it. Because this joy is a triumphant joy, is what it means here in the Greek. Meaning that this joy will put you over. It'll keep you filled with hope. It'll keep you strong with faith. It'll keep you moving forward when everybody else quits. Could be a thousand that quit at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. And you, I'm the energizer bunny, you're going to say, still going. Why? Because you're not going to cast away your confidence. The Bible says it has the promise of a great reward. Well, today my prayer is that you choose joy and practice it. Practice it with your kids, your grandkids, your friends. Practice it with your spouse. Just practice it with everywhere you go. Just choose. So, well, then I don't feel this way. Again, your feelings aren't you. They're just things that are generated around life, your focus, etc. And as you learn to practice joy, you learn to cause everything to align in God's Word. And this peace that passes understanding begins to flow in you. This joy, it, it's yours. And it begins to anchor your soul. It begins to literally anchor your heart. And so right when others are freaking out, you can't figure out why they are. Go, no, we're going to be fine. We're going to see this through. We're going to solve, problem solve. I'm not ignoring problems. I'm going to fix them and I'll always be here. Like I said earlier, when the storm and settles and the dust goes down, I'll be here. Probably sipping a latte. I'll still be here. And all the chicken littles running around going, bark, 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 the sky is falling. <laughs> Cowards, as the poet said die a thousand times the brave they die but once live please get up and live get up and live for God let what he built into you the gifts the abilities let it just flow out of you get up and have an opinion and who cares how many people on your social media don't like you if you really knew how unimportant they are, you wouldn't worry about them. Anytime you spend more time with someone who doesn't like you than people who do like you, that's kind of crazy. Let's rise up. Let's talk about joy and peace and the goodness of God. Let's build families and marriages and homes, careers, businesses, cities, provinces, nations. Let's be the salt of the earth. Let's be the salt and the light. 
Joy wins. Love wins. And if you really want to be loving to the people around you, it's your joy that makes them feel celebrated. Love, joy, peace. Father, today I pray that with my inability to articulate your word, would your presence just touch everyone. And I pray that for those who maybe haven't known what to do next, that you'd cause them to rise up with hope, to believe, to declare, I'm going to win. I'm going to be fine. I pray that we would practice this joy till it radiates around us in our relationships. Father, I pray that your presence would touch them right now. That right now you would heal broken hearts in this building and for those around the world watching. And Father, I pray they'd start a life of building with joy. If you don't know this Jesus that I've been speaking about, it's because he'll never force himself into your life. He will never make you serve him. He made you free, designed you autonomous. So you must choose him before he will get involved in your life. And so right now, if all you do is with your heart, with your mouth, say, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. He will because you've asked him. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. But now that you've asked him to come into your life, that you want to follow him, you give him free reign all the beauty, the joy, and what he sees in you. Now you start a journey with all of his help. Father, bless every person that just did that, that said, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. Father, I pray blessing over them in wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I hope someone got help by that. <laughs>